Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Truth Be Told. After a extended vacation, a chance for us to recharge and to replay some of the older episodes that people haven't heard. We've come back, and we are ready to give you some of the best news in the Christian world, in the secular world, and all the kind of issues that affect us. And my co-host is the wonderful Army Girl for Christ. Welcome back. Well, hello, hello. It's wow. been a long time it's since we've this. <laughs> Let's get this music going well, here. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> so, yes, We're, it's been a nice vacation. We've been able to kind of uh, recharge and regroup and um, share some of our older shows. So, yeah, it's been really nice, and we're glad that we're back. We're glad everyone's joining us, and we thank you for your support. We thank you for being here. And, um, Absolutely. Even our archive listeners. For sure. And and we want to say a very special thanks to Chris White over at uh, Revelations Radio Network, who added Truth Be Told there and opened up a whole new listener base. So welcome to all our new listeners. Um, we appreciate you guys tuning in. It's definitely been a blessing. Amen. All right, and we are broadcasting live at the moment on blogtalkradio.com slash grok558. If you're listening and you're not in our chat room, it is open. Come on in and join us, and you'll be able to interact with us as well as ask questions of our guest. And um, Army Girls, you want to talk a little about who our guest is tonight? Yes, we're really excited tonight. We have William Ramsey on uh, as guest tonight, our honored guest, and he has written extensively on um, the occult in Hollywood. He's also done works, uh, The Prophet of Evil, uh, an extensive work on Aleister Crowley, um, which is very good, and also has done some um, work in a book on the... Um, I believe it's called the Memphis Three. You'll have to tell us about that. But um, the murders that happened in West Memphis a few years back uh, had some occult um, connections. So he's done some really a lot of research in many areas, and we're just really glad he can come and share this because, you know, it's really important, and I think especially for parents, for all of us as adults as well, but especially parents to to understand what's going on um, in the media and the dark side of it. And it's not coincidental. And um, we'll be really anxious to hear some of the, the details of this because, you know, we need to not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. And we need to expose darkness but have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But we're also supposed to expose them um, so that we can have the knowledge to combat it and stand against it. Absolutely. And we should get all of the legal, or should I say the jargon for the legalistic that listen to us. We should get all of this stuff out of the way. So um, the the comments and beliefs of Army Girl Rock and our guest are not necessarily those of CYIWorldwide.com. All right. And tonight's show is uh, not 
a endorsement of a cult because we are obviously born again Christians, but it is like Army Girl said to expose the works of darkness so that we can be aware of what goes on around us and have nothing to do with them. Okay, now that we got all that crap out of the way, before we bring our guests on, as we always do, we're going to start off with a cool song. And we're going to start out with a song by Reckless Mercy. They're called Turning Over Tables, and you can find out more about them on our website. We'll be right back. When, when will you learn? You keep making the same mistakes over and over again. See, can't you see that I can't do anything until you give up the fight? Yeah, you give up your fight. down the door I'm busting out the window I'm cleaning out your soul Your 
All right, and we're back. That song was, again, Reckless Mercy, Turning Over Tables. It's available on iTunes, or you can find out more about their links in the band at cyiworldwide.com. A little different than what we usually play, but that's because of you, Army Girl. <laughs> you said, ah, no hip-hop, no punk. <laughs> I only like Chris only... Tomlin. <laughs> Not quite, but <laughs> a little bit in the middle. <laughs> I got a punk song for later for you, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, but anyway, people don't want to hear us rattle on. So yes. why don't we bring on our host? Welcome to Truth Be Told, William Ramsey. Craig, thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. It is our pleasure. We've been very excited about this. So, you know, you've written extensively on Crowley and done videos and documentaries on Aleister Crowley, kind of occult connections behind the reality that that we see and that most people don't think about. Can we start off with you given what the definition of occult is? Yeah, I mean, I just kind of refer cold as kind of like not revealed or not easily apprehended or understood. I think that would be the kind of Merriam-Webster di- dictionary definition. So I think that it doesn't necessarily mean Satanism or devil worship flat out, but it's kind of things that are hidden that aren't seen. And for me, you know, I, I uh, it, it took me kind of a while to wake up and realize that there are hidden signs, symbols, and signals and uh, that are put out there by people who are involved in occultism or Satanism. And, you know, a lot of my work pretty much tries to reveal those uh, those hidden symbols that are that are really in our faces in political speech and in Hollywood movies and, uh, you know, in historical events. Now, now, some people will say, if you talk to most people, even most average Christians, and you start to talk about, these things that are hidden because they're, you know, most people don't notice them, so they're very well hidden. And you start talking about, you know, Hollywood and how Hollywood can be dangerous and how the media is dangerous to, you know, us personally, spiritually, and our society's values. Most people will say, oh, that doesn't affect anything. What's the importance of talking about this? Well, I think it's about uh, revealing that not only are these things being shared among people who are interested, but it just shows and proves uh, with evidence and fact that there is a satanic or, you know, uh, occult underground that exists and has existed in our society for at least uh, a century. And, you know, you can tell just through all of the use of these you know, these kind of secret codes like uh, the numerical codes, et cetera, that not only has it been excellent, but it's actually growing in, in, in its impact in our common culture. And, uh, you know, I think they're definitely having a secret agenda. So, uh, and if you're not part of it, it's important to understand that agenda. I think it's vitally important, especially as Christians, to get an understanding that the, the actions and things that are taking place in our society and our culture today are not at random. They're actually intentional, and they're being done by human beings who want these changes uh, that I believe are evil to take place. Now, what are some of the, the more blatant things 
that you can point out, that the average person who doesn't want to do too much research because they're lazy, something that they could say, oh, wow, that is true. Well, I think that, you know, particularly you want to find out that Crowley himself was probably the arch-Satanist of uh, the modern era. He was born in 1875 in England, died in 1947, also in Hastings, England, southern England. But he spent all of his whole life, and he, he came from money. He spent his, his life really uh, expanding the you know understanding of the occult. He became a, a scholar of the occult and wrote multiple books. But not only was that, he was very active in networking and, and being in secret societies. And it's important to see what his effects were. But he had... He really wanted to subvert and destroy Christianity. He said it multiple times, and his, his followers are of that same vein. And uh, so it's important to understand what he thought and how his kind of symbols and what he wanted, you know, what he wanted were represented in these numbers and symbols. And, you know, a lot of them, his primary number is 11. Uh, so that, you know, you see around a lot. Also 93, 77. You know, these are important numbers that aren't, mere numbers, they represent meaning for him. 93 represents uh, the Lima and Agape, which are will and love. And, you know, for uh, a practitioner of sorcery, the privacy of that individual's will is very important. And you see that in, um, it even goes back into the Old Testament about uh, Satan saying, I will ascend to heaven. Uh, the five I wills, I think it's from, uh, what book Isaiah. the Bible was that here? Isaiah, thank you. So you see that will, and it's 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 uh, Hitler had his own like triumph of the will. Crowley had his dilemma, you know, which in his the Kabbalah is a way to give words a numerical value. Value and dilemma and agape both have the value of ninety three in uh, the Kabbalah. So you know you see that around. You know it's important to see these in these movies and et cetera, you know, like they, they pop up all over the place and you kind of see it like in Oliver Stone's World Trade Center, you see the hats of the guys are have the 93 and there's Flight 93 on, on the events of 9-11. Like my original book is uh, Prophet of Evil, which I attempted to, and I think I proved that there's some kind of correlation between Aleister Crowley and the events of 9-11. Uh, there were so many references to his his uh, ideas in that event with the use of even September 11th, the date of the event. There was Flight 11th, which was, was the first flight that hit the towers. There's Flight 93, 77. Um, so by seeing these, you can kind of get an idea of, you know, the influence of Crowley and also that other people are picking up on Crowley, like Kubrick, Oliver Stone, Polanski, these people who... Uh, you know, ostensibly on on the surface are mere directors, but they're more than that. They're really uh, putting their their opinions out there and influencing society by with these works of art. So, uh, so I, I mean, get back to your original question. I think that understanding the the numerical aspect of Crowley's system and how important they were is is vital. And those numbers would be eleven, ninety three, and seventy seven. So, for instance, if me and my friends had a symbol that, you know, we kind of used for our club or something, and I, it, and I stuck it in every movie as like a symbol to them saying, you know, giving them a shout-out, is that kind of what they're doing? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think that they definitely have their symbols and, and meanings, and they, they put them in there. And it's just like maybe any other type of gang, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the Crips or the Bloods have their own hand gestures 
their own numbers, their own drawings, and things that reference their own thing. Well, I would say the occult underground has its own as well. And uh, they all respect Crowley. And, you know, there are definitely different variants of people who have grown off Crowley. And, but they, they, they really, it, it's just amazing for me. I didn't really know much about Crowley until I uh, really started researching him. Mm-hmm. But it was amazing how many people really go back to him, like how many followers there are. And most people will probably recognize who he is from the Sgt. Pepper album by the Beatles of their most admired people. He's in the crowd of the people. He has the shaved head. And, you know, I think when most people, they don't really know who he is, but when they see that picture, they're like, oh, yeah, that, that's that guy. And I right. think most and, people you know, don't. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, you know, the apparent, there's some people have made the argument that Sgt. Pepper is Crowley. Because uh, Sergeant Pepper says Sergeant Pepper twenty years ago today. Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play, and the album came out in '67, and Crowley died in '47. So there's a kind of a there is a, something to be said about that. And you know these guys, both uh, McCartney and Lennon, have referenced a lot of Crowley's themes. So uh, he. Uh, Lennon, in his last interview with Playboy magazine, said, you know, the whole thing about the Beatles was about doing what you want. And that's mm. just kind of a paraphrasing of Crowley's famous 11-word axiom, which is, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that was what he, he really tried to evangelize to the world, is human liberty, this concept of you, human liberty, and kind of this godhood that even goes back to the Old Testament, Genesis, you know, uh, devil in the Garden of Eden, saying, you know, you shall be as gods. Right, but right. The Beatles, but the Beatles, and also uh, Paul McCartney said, you know, everything about the Beatles had to do with magic. Well, when the, when that came out, he said, use the word magic with a K. Like, he specifically emphasized the K, and that's the way Crowley spelled it. He actually borrowed it from a kind of middle, middle, age, uh, middle Ages sorcerers, but the K was very important to Crowley as a, as a kind of differentiator from kind of... Uh, rabbit in the hat type magicians but a k is also the 11th letter in the english alphabet so the k is another important symbol in addition to you know the numbers 11 93 and 77 that people should should keep an eye out and and you know that that the use of the letter k and all these kind of cultural figures is very interesting for example uh the writer of harry potter jk rowling she actually gave her middle name the letter K. She changed it later after people kind of got wise to her, but uh, and when she first wrote her book, that K didn't represent like a middle name. She just used the initial K. Well, isn't that convenient? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind so, of disappointing and, to hear about the Beatles. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of that, but I didn't realize, you know, well, I didn't want to realize that Paul McCartney held those views because he's my, like, singing inspiration. So that kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's really kind of sad. I mean, it, it's hard for it's easy for us to kind of look back at them, at least for me, as kind of tame. But back then, they were very revolutionary. Their ideas and there were a lot of ch- changes that they were used. You know, to to make changes in society, probably the most effective way is through the use of music, because mm-hmm. it's really just pleasant to listen to any music. So, I think that the people who really wanted to to foment revolutionary change in the '60s. Uh, wrote a lot of music that was good. I mean, I 
I'm conflicted too because I like the music. I like the Beatles. I like listening to Led Zeppelin. I've listened to Led Zeppelin, which is another satanic band influenced by Crowley. But you know, um, it's it's interesting how they're they're able to, you know, put these messages in these these songs that uh, really did create change. And the Beatles brought in Sgt. Pepper brought in all this drug culture that didn't exist before '67. Right. And that's really one of what Crowley's kind of ideas was, was to uh, illuminate the world. And his idea of illumination was that kind of same thing through this new age-ism, the occultism, the drug use. And, and Crowley did live that type of lifestyle. He's essentially a, a heroin junkie for the last 30 years of his life. And, you know, that, that whole concept of do, what, do whatever you want, I mean, that's permeated our culture, especially in the 80s, that was, you know, slogans for things. Do what you want, as long as you don't, just as long as you don't hurt anyone, and all of these things. And it's become ingrained in us. A lot of these satanic values have become so ingrained in our society. Treat others how they treat you. I mean, all these backward twisting of, of the scriptures has become commonplace. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. Uh, it's pretty surprising how effective they've been at uh, instilling their own alternate values. And, and it's come from a multi-tiered approach. You know, there's been, uh, it's come through culture, through Hollywood, through gurus like Timothy Leary, uh, uh, even even as much as Scientologists like uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard was a Crowley follower, and, and, you know, if you look at what his religion does, it's almost like a New Age religion. It is a New Age religion, really. They teach that you can have power over matter, energy, space, and time, or mess. But it's also, there. there's a subtext in that whole religion about doing what you want. Right. There really aren't so many. I mean, you have to obey L. Ron Hubbard and his thing and pay tons of money to get, supposedly, go up the, the bridge to, you know, higher learning or whatever, but there's a lot of, like, so-called this kind of satanic idea of freedom. Well, and that was very, I mean, that was prevalent in the 80s. You couldn't watch TV without seeing a commercial for Dianetics, and it was right. sold as, like, a self-improvement thing. Right. And it got a lot of people wrapped up, and all it was was Satanism with a different face. You know, human potential and this just fake spiritual kind of thing. Yep, I would I would can't agree with you more. I mean, it really is, and and uh, even the son of L. Ron Hubbard has said in multiple venues that you know he was essentially a black magician, that he really didn't care about his followers, that he had his mantra as far people as my slaves, which is very similar to uh, Crowley's thing, which is statement, which is the slave shall serve. Crowley believed in that his ideal society was a feudal society. Mm. Uh, you know, with a, with a very intelligent elite ruling over a mass of, you know, zombies or slaves, and uh, you know that was kind of uh, kind of the, the model for for Scientology. I mean, L. Ron Hubbard was the false messiah, bald-faced false messiah who was the center of the whole thing. They actually in in, in Scientology they call him Source. Mm. And uh, yeah, so like I mean, it's just a, it's just a wolf in sheep's clothing, and and you know, there's a tie into Hollywood there because uh, there, L. Ron Hubbard knew that popular the popularity of Scientology would grow in proportion to how many celebrities he could get on board. So they were always eagerly trying to recruit celebrities, Hollywood celebrities, and there's even a Hollywood celebrity center 
that's uh, you know ornate. It's just this beautiful palatial palace right near um, I think Sunset Strip or somewhere in Hollywood. And you know, uh, you know all these all these celebrities or Tom Cruise, for example, is treated like a demigod by Scientology because he's brought so much attention to it that it's a really vicious evil cult. Well, and and what's funny about it is that people are following a man who was a science fiction writer. That right, right there would be enough for me to say, yeah, I'm not going to try that one out. Yeah, but, I mean it's pretty bad. He he, uh, L. Ron Hubbard had two boats. One was called Apollo. The other was called the Magician. So you have the occultism there. He was a member of the Agape Lodge, which Jack Parsons was involved in in Pasadena. So you know before he started his religion, he had his kind of occult. You know, a ticket was already stamped, or you know, he was a full-fledged member, and you know, it's just really sad that people get involved in all that. And 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 the the bad, the, the insidious thing is that it's so sneaky. I mean, even um, if you look at Star Trek, even the ones post Gene Roddenberry, it's just littered with references to let's eliminate religion, and then the human race will rise up and do these amazing things. And I mean, all over the Star Trek franchise. There's just tons of themes about one world government and no God and and wow. human potential. I mean it's it's crazy. And you don't until you really look for it, you just don't see it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I heard Roddenberry was a real high level uh, Mason, my thirty third degree. Yeah, he was. And he was into some yeah. occult practices. Go figure, yes. those are the people that rise to the top, huh? Well, I mean, it's a good point because here's the thing is that it goes back to Hollywood. You're in a passive environment. You know, you're getting this, this – you're watching a story, but you're also getting a little subtle programming there, you know, uh, you know about some, some doctrines that they want you to believe. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was just thinking, you know, Jesus um, used stories and parables in the Old Testament to make points, spiritual points that – to the average people that um, so they could understand the principles. And Satan does everything counterfeit to what God does. So these stories and this drama, you know, I think um, it, it's kind of interesting that all of these people that are out in Hollywood have connections going back to Crowley. And you see it, it's like a big web. Somebody knows somebody that's connected to somebody, and, and it's between the uh, movie producers are, by their own words, very, um, you know, they seem to know what they're doing to change society. They're very well aware of the messages that they want to put out there, and they're very intelligent people. All of these people, um, you know, are not dumb people, but it seems like everything is about carnality. Everything is, again, um, certainly the God of the Bible and anything to do with uh, the God that we believe in, um, you know, right from taking the Lord's name in vain as a swear word in so many um, movies, and just everything that um, is what we consider the moral compass and code from the Bible, they go against it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you make a great point. I mean, they're all the connections to Hollywood and Crowley are pretty amazing, and, and they're actually still relevant and recent. Uh, they're, for example, James Franco just spoke at the inauguration of Obama. Well, James Franco was right out here in Venice uh, 
L.A. I live in L.A. And he did a he was involved with a public working of a, the right of Bartsville, which was something done by Jack Parsons. Uh, and he Parsons was a follower of Crowley. And there's a picture of Franco sitting in between right next to Crowley's follower, uh, Kenneth Anger. So he's hanging out with Kenneth Anger, a, a stone cold, you know, apex top notch follower of Crowley and then hang out with Obama. So, you know, this is still a relevant subject and issue. It's not something that happened in the past. It's still happening and ongoing now. That's really not surprising to me because Kenneth Anger uh, was closely associated with Alfred Kinsey, who was a total, uh, you know, he did some work in the University of Indiana, I think it was, and um, back in the 40s, and basically blew the lid off of um, what we consider sexual norms in our society. And his findings, which weren't scientific, are still used today, even in court, and and, and, uh, he's given credible um, credit for that. But it it was just a bunch of perversion and um, wasn't scientific at all. But right, yeah, they he, just made up. And he was, he was with Rockefeller money, too, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Right, and and as well with the feminist movement, a lot of this stuff is around sexual uh, perversion and stuff. So it doesn't surprise me since our president has come out and supported gay marriage. He supported um, abortion and, and um, you know, problems. I mean, promiscuity has been promoted as a good thing. And then, you know, all the sexual freedom and with the children, I mean, even, you know, an unwanted pregnancy, our president said, you know, I don't want my children, if they have an unwanted pregnancy, to be burdened with an unwanted baby, you know. And, um, and, and, you know, it's for the murder of the unborn. So I just feel like a lot of these people are connected, but it's it's very dark. and I don't think the average American going to the movies, um, you know, realizes the the impact of visual. We've got audio, surround sound around us. We're in a dark room. We're vulnerable. And here comes all of this at us, violence, perversion, and um, basically antichrist and occult doctrines are being fed in and programmed to people as they're watching this. And they seem to know this by their own words. They, the producers and the directors seem to understand exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're at, uh, we're at the half-hour mark. So we will be back in two minutes with our guest, William Ramsey. All you, Army girl. All right, all right, we're back. Um, you're listening to Truth Be Told on Glock Radio. And with us tonight, we've been speaking with our guest, William Ramsey, who's an author and researcher um, on the occult. And um, I was going to give out the, the call-in number in case anyone wants to call in with questions for William. It's 714-242-5180. And if you'd like to speak with us, 
uh, press 1 on your keypad, and we'll know that you want to come on the air. Um, so, William, I was thinking about um, when do you think this, this really started getting involved with the movies? Um, I know there was a lot of, it seemed like a cult explosion in the 60s with Leary and stuff. Um, can you kind of give us an idea of what was going on in the 60s there? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that really was where it grew. I mean, I think that uh, the, the the changes in our society in the 60s brought in a lot of different occultists. Kenneth Anger was always lurking around. Uh, there were some movies bought from Dennis Wheatley, who was a follower of Crowley. Dennis Wheatley was kind of the, uh, he was the Stephen King of his era in the 50s and 60s. He wrote very, very popular occult books, and uh, there was a couple movies from him, The Devil Rides Out and To the Devil a Daughter. There were all, you know, there used to be these, you know, there, there, there's been a strain of, of these kind of occult um, supernatural thrillers that were very popular starting in the 60s. And so, you know, I think that that's, that's when um, that they kind of grew. I think as far as the overt occultism and stuff that was put in is really kind of done by the directors, you know, specific directors. And in my movie, I kind of emphasize about three or four, Kubrick, Stone, uh, Polanski, and, uh, you know, those those guys pretty much mm-hmm. every one of their movies, they have some kind of reference to Crowley or Kultu. Now, what, a Polanski, he's an interesting one because his wife was murdered by, uh, I just forgot Manson. his name. Right, Manson. Manson. What was, that couldn't have been a coincidence. There was a reason Manson had targeted them. Can you talk a little about Polanski, some of the movies he's done, and, and some themes that are contained in those movies? Yeah, I think that one of his more famous films is uh, Rosemary's Baby. That was uh, the film where uh, the, the couple goes into the Dakota, which is an actual real hotel in New York City, where uh, John Lennon stayed with Yoko Ono, as a matter of fact. But uh, then she ends up having the devil's baby. Apparently, uh, Anton LaVey, who was the head of the church, Church of Satan, played the devil and was an advisor on the film. There's also some interesting references to Alfred Kinsey in that film. Uh, there's a part where the main character, played by uh, Cassavetes, handles a book from Alfred Kinsey. So it's almost kind of like a wink and a nod mm-hmm. to a guy, Kinsey, who uh, knew Crowley, hung out with Anger. Both he and Anger, I don't know if you guys know this, but they visited Crowley's uh, magical uh, hideaway that was located on the island of Cefalu in Sicily in Italy. And uh, so there's a picture, a somewhat famous picture of them together at that, you know, uh, researching and looking at at Crowley's uh, kind of magical hideaway. Anyway, Mm. so Polanski, you know, it's it's pretty interesting. Polanski's done a lot of films that, uh, you know, involve occultism. The other is Ninth Gate featuring Johnny Depp. And uh, Johnny Depp is a pretty hardcore occultist. I didn't really know that until recently, but he also ties into my most recent book, which is about it's an abomination. It's about the West Memphis Three murders. But they were found guilty in '93, but due to the pressure and the, the funds supplied by uh, Hollywood occultists and just people who uh, believe this story, this guy who was who's convicted of murdering three children, or three guys who were convicted of murdering three eight-year-old children in '93, were let out of jail. 
And uh, one of the central characters is heavily involved and interested in Crowley, which is how the whole case um, came to my attention. But uh, anyway, Depp was one of his, one of the bankrollers. And they bankrolled oh. their, their release. Yeah, they bankrolled their funds for the use of public relations and attorneys to the tune of about 10 to $20 million. Wow. So it was, wow. yeah, oh, it's an incredible amount of money. And this guy, you can well, go to my uh, my blog, which is occult911.wordpress.com, and take a look at some of the documents I put up. It, it's amazing what that really happened. It's just I call it an abomination because it's something from the Old Testament. Like if you let somebody out into your society who's found guilty, he's literally found guilty twice of killing three right. eight-year-old kids, and in the most heinous, vile way. And there's all kinds of occultism involved in it, and it's it's intergenerational. It's really just a horror story. And the guy ended up moving to Salem, moving to Salem, uh, in you know the the site of the old witch trial, Salem, Massachusetts, because he thought it would be safer there. But well, uh, anyway, I, I actually, oh, I'm sorry. I I was going to say I actually saw um, him talking. I think he went on the View or some one of the uh, talk mm-hmm. shows. And was acting very innocent, and um, you know everybody was applauding that he was found not guilty, that he was falsely charged, and that he was released. And I'm I'm just shaking my head. You know he's acting like he's got halo over his head, um, like he's this little angel that was falsely accused and just didn't understand, um, you know what happened. All right? Did you see that, the tattoos that, up and down his arms? Yeah, that was creepy. Did you notice that he was making the occult sign of silence during the interviews? He kept putting yeah. his finger up to his lips. He was making satanic secret signs right there, right in the midst of like a million people, right in the front of all those other people. And I just was like, I almost projectile vomited. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, he's a really dark, evil character. I mean, uh, you can go to go to my my uh, blog and read those documents about the, the doctrine of silence. It goes all the way back into prehistory, but it's a, an important component of all occultism, and that that component is to be quiet. That's why it's kind of hard to figure out what these people are up to. But uh, he's he's very. It's a, it's an incredible story. I just it's just so amazing that wow. they got this guy out of jail, and they're out there telling people that I was he's innocent. So he's just like lying yeah. pathologically lying in front of all these people. At law, Army Girl, at law he's guilty. So, you know, I mean there he is so if he applies for a job, he has to write out felon, you know, capital murder, guilty, three mur- murdering three people. Wow. How they got him out of jail I mean it's just a long saga that's twenty years old, but the involvement of this corrupt Hollywood elite in this case was instrumental in swaying public opinion. What they did is they convinced public the public that they were innocent, you know, outside of the and that they use that as leverage against this Arkansas uh judiciary. And eventually they just caved. And uh it was really it's incredibly irresponsible. I mean to believe this guy's innocent you have to believe that a jury unanimously voted wrong that when during, during the appeal process to the state Supreme Court of Arkansas, they got it wrong. And then his attorneys even appealed his conviction to the Supreme Court of the United States, which denied what's called a writ of certiorari, which is, you know, 
they'll they'll grant a writ of certiorari if they think that there's something you know worth their while. So the fact that they did not grant it is gives an indication that they didn't find anything unjust or untoward about the decisions in the lower courts. So you have wow. to believe that you know all these people got it wrong, and it's 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 an incredible. You, I you know we can do a whole other conversation on that book and about Crowley. Crowley came up in the trial. The original movies, there were these movies that came out that uh, the first one I didn't think was too biased, but the second and third were very questionable. Uh, they they really created some doubt as to who the guilty parties were. But the original one talked about Crowley. This guy had uh, the main central character is a guy his born name was Michael Wayne Hutchinson, but he changed it to Damien, which is a real popular name change in the occult for some reason. I love the name Damien. So he goes by Damien Eccles, and uh, he he had a Crowley obsession, and that's really what how this whole thing caught my eye. And a lot of people didn't get into the occult elements of the crime or the personalities involved. You know, they just looked at it as a murder case. But when I started researching and reading it uh, and looking at the original court cases, these guys were heavily involved in witchcraft, and they still are. Crazy. It's oh, really amazing. Wow. Oh, well, you know, it had to be amazing. something for, for Hollywood to get involved like they did. There has to be some huge connection there because, I mean, why them? Why would they choose to support, you know, any of that if it wasn't in the dark? And and this yeah. silence, uh, you know, everything is in the dark. It's secret. It's hidden. It's... Um, you know, and this is how you know that it's satanic because everything is in the dark and, um, yeah. And it's, it's manipulative. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I mean, you know, their they're dark, their acts are evil, so they keep them secret. And, you know, it's uh, that's this whole concept of silence. And, uh, you know, this concept of silence is interspersed in almost every occult society out there, whether it's the Masons who take 33 oaths of secrecy, Skull and Bones, you know, OTO, you know, all these different organizations are all about silence theology. Now, another director you mentioned in your notes and in the books was Oliver Stone, who's probably one of the, the most prolific ones on the list. Can you talk about where he gets his ideas and some of the occult? themes in his movies? Yeah, well, I was surprised. I didn't know that Stone was a knowledgeable occultist. So, I mean, that that is another element about how, you know, he'll never um, externalize his understanding, but through his movies, it's just there. I mean, it's really shocking. Like the, like the, the movies that I referenced, The Doors, for example, was about Jim Morrison and, the, you know, the, uh, the band The Doors, who Morrison was essentially kind of a shaman slash witch. His his wife was a girl by the name of Patricia Keneally. She's actually featured in the film doing a hand-fasting witchcraft Wicca ceremony. Uh, wow. That she's never referenced, but she's there. So that's her uh, doing this, this ceremony, his ex-wife. And, uh, you know, if you want to see witchcraft being done, you know, right in front of your face, that, that movie has it. So, and there's all this stuff about drinking blood. These people like to drink blood. It's hard to believe, but they do. And, you know, just like it goes back in the Old Testament, the life is in the blood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, and, you know, and then there, there's Jim Morrison's Peace Frog song that talks about blood in the streets on the town of New Haven, which is where Skull and Bones is, blood in the streets and, and the 
streets of Venice, which is where Morrison lived. Anyway, so you see the doors. There's like, uh, and there's a death and devil figure that is through there. And there's also the peace sign, which is an esoteric, exoteric kind of play. The peace sign is the two fingers up, three fingers down. That's a 23, which is part of the, in the occult. It's the 23 enigma, and two thirds of one is 666. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah, now, so there's a different meaning. I'm sorry, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to continue. I mean, Natural Born Killers, which is a movie that, you know, people have unfortunately, impressionable youngsters have emulated and actually gone on these killing sprees, just like the movie. Uh, it starts out with a 77. There's a little TV there, and it says 77, some such strip. So, and 77 in uh, Anton Zandor LeVay's Devil's, uh, what is it? Not the Devil's Bible, Devil's Handbook or Satan's Manual. I forgot the name of the book, but there's 77 names of Lucifer. So, and 77 is a very important name, uh, number to Crowley. 77 represents 11 times 7, and 7 is. Uh, like the perfected man, there are seven steps in the perfected man, so 77. And if you ever look at the seal of Babylon, which is kind of Crowley seal, there's 77s all around. And 666 is in the intro to Natural Born Killer. So, so Stone knows a lot more than people ask him questions about or, uh, you know, he, he puts out to the public. And it's there just by these numerical reference. You know, a, a director is a very powerful person. They dictate what's in the, you know, the screen, what's in the screenshot. So, you know, I, I tend to think that these things are not at random. They're there intentionally, especially when they're put in, you know, intros or, or times during the, the, the course of the film where things are slowing down. So, you know, he does, he directs Prometheus and Alexander, the movie Alexander Prometheus is a symbol of Satan to all Satan followers because he stole fire from heaven and gave it to man, and that's supposedly what Satan do, does, is give knowledge to man. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, so if you see Prometheus, just like when you go to Rockefeller Center, at the very center of Rockefeller Center is a gilded Prometheus statue. Uh, that's a representation of Satan, and they show it in the background at almost every presidential election I've seen for the last 20 years. You know, behind C, you know, NBC or CBS, they show you know, the Prometheus in the background. I mean, it's just straight up showing you who really runs the show. Right. You know, we, yeah. so, so you can see the, the, you know, the Democrat or Republican, that doesn't matter. Every one of our presidents probably in the last 30 years has been a Luciferian, and it probably goes back even farther than that. Well, so, I thought it really curious that, you know, Oliver Stone did a movie on The Doors and that he has a, an occult connection because – Jim Morrison, I mean, was heavily influenced by the occult. He thought that, you know, and he mentions it in the song Peace Frog, which you talked about, that when he, he saw these dead Indians on the road, and he felt like their spirits had jumped into his. So he right. even admitted that he had some kind of possession. And it shows up yeah. throughout a lot of his songs, those themes. So it's interesting that of all people, he would choose him to do a movie on. Yeah, it is interesting. So, you know, and he's a Yaley. So there's always this kind of correlation between people who go to Yale. I don't know what it is, and the occult. And they're they're all very intelligent, but they also have a very diverse background to say. You know, I mean, I guess not a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of occultism. People come out of Yale. So many secret societies, etc. Skull right. and Bones is just for the heap. 
there's about another 10 or 20 secret groups that have their own secret libraries and stuff like that. I mean, I've seen, I was surprised. I've been into, I won't explain how, but I've seen some of the theosophical buildings and their libraries, and I was, like, shocked at how vast their internal libraries are. I was like, wow, books that are not on the Internet. Mm. Wow. Now, with these producers, are any of them out with their their spiritual beliefs? I know Kubrick was kind of screwed up, but Oliver Stone, you don't really think about being in no. any kind of a cult. He presents I, very no. well. Yeah, he I, You would never know except what he has left interspersed. That he's a very intelligent guy. He has very broad interests, so it's not surprising that he's been exposed. But you know, and I've heard some of in his associates and what he does at his off time. And uh, I'm not surprised. But, you know, there's some pretty open producers and stuff like that. Roland Emmerich is just, I mean, he says 9-11 all the time, which is a huge number for Satanists. Uh, even like, I mean, the, the number 9-11 is important. That's, uh, so Crowley lived from 1875 to 1947. One of his followers is Gerald Brousseau Gardner, and he started Wicca out of whole cloth. I mean, Wicca, the whole Rick Wiccan religion it, it claims to go back into prehistory, but in reality, it was systematized and put together by Gerald Brousseau Gardner, who has his OTO. Uh, you know, he got something from Crowley. He bought an OTO charter from Crowley, and uh, he met Crowley. And that's in my new book, Abomination. I trace the occult kind of roots of the modern era from Crowley to Brousseau and, and to the Wiccan follower, Gerald. Uh, Buck, uh, excuse me, Raymond Buckland. But anyway, Brousseau, uh, he he was a sorcerer. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And what he did is created these circles, and the dimensions of those circles are 9 feet and 11. So there'd be an internal circle of 9 feet and an external circle of 11, and between those two circles they put holy words. And... Uh, he would say that when you're in that circle, you're in the uh, kingdom or realm of the gods, capital G, which I think to a, a Christian is, you know, the fallen angel, you know. Right. You're in the, like, the pit of hell where, like, demons and stuff exist. So Gardner is a real, real monster. But that's just the 9-11 right there. Anyway, Roland Emmerich and uh, the other one is Jerry Bruckheimer, who's also, I mean, he exposes really? people. Yeah, Bruckheimer. Oh, he exposes people to one of the hardest hardcore satanic symbols. On any show that Bruckheimer does, there's a road that you follow down the road, and then you see a tree on the right, and the lightning hits that tree. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that symbol? Yeah. That is like a brutally satanic symbol. That is the lightning bolt of Satan who fell from heaven and gives the tree its knowledge. So instead of the, the you know the fruit of the good and evil, the, it's a perversion of the Genesis story, uh, where Satan gives you his knowledge. So it's like a it's a representation. It's also been used by this other guy, who's involved in this. Uh, I was shocked when I saw it. He was involved in the UFO disclosure. I think his name is Green or something like that. But he uses that symbol. Oh, yeah. like, people, look at the symbol. You know he's lying. I mean, this is like Luciferianism. And Luciferianism is, is a concept, I think, that, you know, there's Satanism, Luciferianism, all kind of, inter, you know, there's some semantic differences. But I think 
the Luciferian concept is that, you know, Lucifer is actually the good guy who's giving humanity his knowledge and teaching him how to live and that God has, you know, rejected people and kicked them out of Eden and stuff like that. Right, God's the tyrant and Satan's the liberator. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, because Satan appeals to the flesh, and and it seems like they they want the carnality, they want you know all the pleasures of the flesh, and to not have any kind of restrictions, and to be rebellious in that attitude. So, you know, that's all the things that Satan feeds um, fallen man. Right. uh, Absolutely. Pretty attractive. So why put these symbols in there? Why why put all these little things if people don't know what they are? Because most people see the lightning strike the tree and all that and be like, yeah, you know, whatever. Or when, you know, they the, someone sings about the crossroads and they have this in many music videos with the crossword crossroads. Right. Most people don't get anything out of that. So why even put that stuff in there? Well, I think it's a signal to other other followers. And uh, also it's an indicator that, you know, they're the keeper of the symbols and understanding and you're an outsider and it's a, you know, maybe it's a little a bit of a power trip, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, like we're, we're it stupid out. sheep. It, it's kind of a joke, yeah. it seems like. Yeah, it's you, kind of like mocking the, the dumb Christians and all that other stuff. They don't know what we think and, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a different way of communicating in language stuff like that, I guess. That's my guess. I don't know. Another thing I was thinking of with that is there's a lot of repetition. You know, when we're talking about this, we see so much, you know, so like you think of Harry Potter with the lightning bolt. Everywhere there's lightning bolts. Everywhere there's the all-seeing eye um, of Horus. There's, you know, it, it's blatantly out there, and we see it over and over and over so that we're very familiar, even if it's just a subconscious thing of, you know, seeing these symbols over and over. And um, so it's almost like we're comfortable with them. I mean, if anybody wanted to go out and pursue this, you know, they would be very familiar with a lot of their language and their symbols just because they've seen them so many times. Right. And I think that's true, but there's also, like, false interpretations, false understandings out there. Uh, you know, there, there's a there's an internal understanding and there's an external. There's some pretty sophisticated rationales. Like I've heard people like for me that the all-seeing eye and the pyramid on the back of a dollar bill is about as evil a symbol as you can get. But the illumined people tell the public, oh yeah, this represents you know the building of our country and this great endeavor. And they tell the public all this so they don't think it's that sinister, but it's really really sinister the real internal meaning of that, that seal, you know? So I think that there's an interpretation for the public and there's an interpretation for the initiates. Mm-hmm. Do you think they use that like as a signature as well, you know, kind of like a, a stamp on their work? I, I would, I would say, you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, they, if they, they, they I don't know. Some of these people are very serious. They're very serious Satan followers. I mean, I mean, they devoted their life to the cause, you know, and uh, they carry that torch. So. Well, I had a, yeah. a question. You know, I was wondering about people like um, 
Then you think about Alfred Hitchcock and Vincent Price, those old movies where um, a lot of witchcraft and such. Were they also into things like this? I mean, Alfred Hitchcock was from England, I think, but was he ever involved with Crowley? I never, I never made that connection. So I, I would love to study him. I mean, even the stuff I've studied, it's like a topical level. I mean, these people, like, um, you know, there's could be a lot more out there. Though that's one of the problems is that their fellowship and following is secret. You know, so you have to really okay. kind of look for clues. And uh, you know, some of them you would never know. But you and know, there smarter. was a guy. Who, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, there was a guy, like, for example, his name was Tom Dryberg. He was essentially like the uh, Tip O'Neill of England. He was at, like the, this guy who was at the top of the Labour Party in England. Excuse me. He was at the top of the Labour Party in England for like 40 or 50 years. And uh, he was all kinds of trouble. He'd hang out with criminals, and he was up to no good. And nobody really knew he was a Crowley follower after, you know, and then uh, – the end of his life, he admitted that he, you know, there was enough evidence and stuff like that that he had signed and even signed an oath to Crowley, saying that I will follow all of your doctrines and do it that will. And that uh, Crowley's executor well, actually found it in the document. So you have this huge political figure, you know, that everybody in England knows, who was a stone cold Crowley follower. Wow. And yeah. it seems like some of these figures were very smart. Like you take him, Blavatsky, you know, Kinsey. They were really kind of smart about how they did things, and and they really worked hard to not be fringe and crazy like uh, you know, a real Satan. You would think a real Satanist is, you know. Right. They were yeah. they were pretty uh, the intelligence for one thing. Like Kinsey, I, I've worked for six years as a. Uh, a therapist working with sexual issues, and Kinsey was the textbook for a lot of therapies for working with with people with sex mm-hmm. issues. And as you start, you know, as I started looking into Kinsey, I was like, "Whoa, this stuff is really crazy." And people know nothing about him; they don't care. They look at this yeah. is what's legitimized, and they follow it. So these people yeah, are very but... smart. Yeah, I well, agree. And if you, socially if you... engineering. I mean, they're, yeah, they're completely turning our culture upside down with with what they're doing. Yeah, I think they've already done it personally. But, I mean, for example, mm-hmm. Kinsey, if you read Judith Reisman's stuff, I don't know if you've heard her name, but she's pretty much debunked all his work. And Kinsey was a monster, an absolute, uh, just, he should have oh, been in yeah. a jail. He should have been mm-hmm. in a rubber room. Yeah, so, but he's, he's very, he's revered and respected. Among right. uh, people who work with sexual stuff, it's crazy. Yeah, well, he reminded crazy. me of Crowley because Crowley was very perverted, and um, you know, was basically a pedophile as well. And Kinsey, right. with all of his, you know, group, their scientific group, were also in that uh, category. And, um, right. you know, with the way that our country's going, I keep saying the next big thing after this. Uh, big movement, you know, we had the feminist movement, we had the gay movement. Next will be the pedophile movement. We're already seeing um, some of the groups basically saying, hey, this is our sexual preference, too. And um, so they'll go back to Kinsey's work, if that's what you want to call it, which was just a bunch of pedophiles and perverts 
doing things and documenting it supposedly in a scientific list or manner, there's nothing scientific about it. Yeah. Scientism, and you're right about Crowley. I was shocked at how much of a sick, uh, perverted person he was when I really got past, you know, his... Uh, the biographers you really admired them and looked at to etch the original stuff, you know, so. All right. Yeah, well, we are, at, really deep. <laughs> we are at the yeah. point of a break. And we've all talked a lot, so we can give our throats a little rest. And uh, the call-in number, if you'd like to call in and speak with our guest, 714-242-5180, and we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. You're listening to Truth Be Told on Grok Radio with Army Girl for Christ and yours truly. We are speaking tonight with William Ramsey, and we've been talking about occult themes in our culture, predominantly Hollywood. Um, William, could you give out your contact information? Yeah, I can be reaching. My uh, my email is uh, cold911 at gmail.com, and... Uh, my website is www.cold911.com, and my books are available on Amazon and Kindle. And uh, I just had my reason, my most latest book, Abomination, was published uh, December 1st, uh, 2012. So it's only been out about a month and a half now. Okay, could you give them um, some of the titles of some of the other books that they can look for? I only have two books. So my first one was Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order. And it's about Aleister Crowley and how I think he, he influenced what, you know, what we call the New World Order and 9-11. And then uh, the other one is Abomination, Double Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. And uh, that's about the West Memphis Three and, and how pub- the public perception is completely fraudulent and false and that there's a really – uncomfortable occult element to uh, these really heinous crimes that took place in 1993. All right. And now, you know... Go ahead, Army Girl. Well, well, I had a question for you, William. Um, I was just thinking about our... You know, there's a lot of movies that are being promoted to children right now. Um, Do you know of any of these that have these uh, kinds of messages... Are they trying to do this with the kids' movies? I I see one on the list is Madagascar, um, but are there other ones that maybe they're sneaking this in? Absolutely. I think that the whole Harry Potter uh, films are heavily uh, skewed towards witchcraft. J.K. Rowling clearly is very knowledgeable about the practice of witchcraft. Uh, Harry Potter has all the elements of, like, you know, uh, uh, which hero, he's got the lightning bolt on his forehead. His wand is 11 inches long, which is 11 is a, the prime number of Crowley. Uh, there's all kinds of references within the, even the first book. The Sorcerer's Stone is a play on the occult notion of a philosopher's stone, which is uh, the way to self-perfection outside of you know anything to do with uh, organized religion or Christianity. So... You know, I think that people are being weaned on this, these these uh, occult-influenced movies, and they don't really even know what be, they're being subjected to. So J.K. Rowling is is really a, a change agent of the, of the highest and worst sort. I mean, her films have reached billions of people, and 
you know, the the, the leaven and the off, you know, the, the, what's going to happen from that those books in our generation is not going to be pretty because you're gonna, essentially going to have a whole host of people who've been brought up on these type of supernatural, dark side, you know, romance slash uh, Harry Potter stuff who are going to all think of themselves as little magicians, you know. And, uh, you know, what happens when people think that way is a good... Well, it's going to be really easy for them to recruit um, that with that mindset. You know, I think the very word Hollywood is from the wood that uh, the wands are made out of, if, I, if that's correct. Um, right. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, that very name. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting when the, when the kids get older in the next 10 or 20 years to see what, what they're going to be like. And also, um, you're seeing a lot of violence, um, you know, being promoted. And, and really, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about gun control in our country right now. But to me, television itself is the weapon of choice. I mean, this is right in the home. Kids are watching. You know, it's it's you know, coming, piping right in 24-7 into homes. So, to me, it's, you know, but you you talk about this and people, a lot of people don't even realize that there is a spiritual realm, that there is this dark, um, what do I want to say, like, area that people get into. And um, the New Agers at least know that there is a spiritual realm and they're tapped into it. I don't think it's very similar to the occult. The occult is uh, really more like magic, I believe, um, and, it, and it's really dark. But, yeah, um, I would agree with that. I think the new the new agers do have some occult practices, though. They believe in telepathy and astral travel and all these other things that occultists believe. Well, it's really interesting because even on the surface, if you're a Christian and just on the surface you look at Harry Potter and you don't know all the symbols and all of that stuff, it's magic, it's, you know, brooms and spells. I mean, just on the surface it's bad. And yet we yeah. have churches that were using Harry Potter in their youth groups, in their church services. It just blows my mind how the body of Christ can't recognize even the most basic things. That's scary. Yeah, and yeah, it is scary, and there's little hints within those movies too that uh, really dark occultism. You know, I've seen uh, sequences where there's like clearly a magical circle on the ground underneath the desks. They're all, you know, all these like uh, like higher people within the film look like uh, the, some of the most notorious sorcerers and magicians in history. There's like a person who looks like Crowley, another looks like Rasputin. You know, it's it's. Uh, they're, they're sending out some visual signals there, definitely. Unbelievable. Well, we've got about ten minutes left. So let's end on, as Christians, what can we do to combat this in in our society as well as with our children and, and in our churches because they don't even know half of this stuff? What do you think is a good way for us as Christians to react to this and kind of be proactive? Well, I do think it's about awareness. You know, so I think that first you have to kind of understand what the servants of the enemy are up to and, uh, you know, understand their symbols, understand their signals, understand their ideas, what they want to do. I mean, it's so, you know, first step is understanding. And the other is to educate, you know, as many people as possible 
uh, especially within the Christian church, about some of these things are, you know, the, the fact of the matter is they're like the thin edge of the wedge. They look innocuous, but that's just the beginning because once you get pulled deeper in, you know, it becomes inevitably darker and darker. So I think it's about awareness and education. And then, you know, as a Christian, I think you just have to reject it. You know, it's, if you know what the witchcraft is and you're aware of it, then you can't, you know, I, I don't believe in the, the false model of toler- toleration, especially when, you know, people who get really involved in this stuff, eventually they, they it escalates. You know, it gets worse and worse, a lot like this thing that happened in West Memphis was these people escalated and escalated. It, you know, it started out as rituals, and then they were sacrificing animals, and next thing you know, three poor kids were dead. So, you know, it's it's on the surface some of these things were, are are horrible. I mean, on the surface, some of these things are, are, you know, innocuous, but it always inevitably led leads to darker and darker type criminal behavior. Agreed. Well, that's it. You know, I I think that we think that we can go into these things, expose ourselves to these images and this unrighteous, um, you know, kind of information, and it's not. A lot of people don't think it affects your life you know that i i've got i can separate the two but if advertising you know advertisers know that the visual image and um the the repetition part of it obviously works or they wouldn't be selling products doing that so with that same idea you know if you've got a, a, a kid that's already unstable that they're struggling with their peers they might have been bullied they've got home problems um you know, even Ted Bundy did a, right before his execution, did a interview with um, James Dobson from Focus on the Family. And he was very concerned about these images and things that we're seeing on a daily basis. And he said not everybody is going to go out and do these things, but for those that are vulnerable, um, it just feeds that whole um that they have, and then they go. We're seeing on the news a lot of really violent, strange kinds of crimes that are going on, and it. it so you know, even um, Ted Turner has been quoted to say that he knows that the violence on TV and on the movies and such affected the children. He wouldn't even let his own kids watch it. Well, well it does affect the parents. Yeah. Wow, we've got to protect the kids from this. I mean, you know, we we think this is uh, innocent. It's part of our culture. Movies and music is so so ingrained in our culture. But um, you know, you're considered really weird and odd and a freak if you come against this stuff and call evil what it is. But we're called to do that. We've got to stand against it somehow. And uh, you know, that seems to be the trend. We're losing the ability to call evil evil. What does it mean anymore? It's slipping into calling evil good and good evil. So, um, you know, we got to be really aware of the devil's schemes, I think. Agreed. Definitely. For sure. And um, would you know I just lost my entire train of thought? Well, so I think it's the real issue is what can you do? I mean, you kind of just have to say that this, these are, these are evil things, you know. I mean, a lot of people are very used to it and they've been inured to it, kind of like the old 
story about the boiling frog. You know, this is uh, this is normalization. You know, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's not uh, part of the ideal culture to have these things and these symbols and these people making these movies. You know, do that, and they they should be like I said. I think it goes, just goes back to what I said earlier. You got to be aware, and you got to educate people so they know what they're seeing. And when they when when you can tie a lot of these things to Aleister Crowley, you can pretty much just wipe them out because Aleister Crowley was so monstrous and evil that you know people who are have some affinity or association with them just on their face can you know it's like that's a questionable. Thing and you know you just don't want to you don't want to give your money to things like that you know you don't you kind of just want them to to go away if, if these people didn't make money off them you know they just they wouldn't be able to put the stuff out that they do right and if you and if you listen to a lot of the interviews from musicians uh, people on t- TV personalities they'll tell you their kids don't watch television their kids don't listen to most of this music so you know yeah. they're hypocritical. You know, they spew out all this stuff, and they know what they're putting out is absolute trash, so much that they raise their children to be away from it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's well, that crazy. that's something right there. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. So, well, we are out of time. I, I want to thank you uh, for being with mm-hmm. us tonight. I mean, this was so much information, so much good information. And, you know, we just mm-hmm. pray that someone gets woken up and, and, you know, to the reality that we live in through it. Um, and it's just been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for spending the time with us yeah. tonight. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's great thank to be you. on your show. It's, uh, you know, it's our pleasure. I'm happy to come back. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Very honored. God bless you, William. Thank you so God much. God bless you, too. God okay, bless. You ha- Have a great night. Okay, hang on to the line one second, please. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay, thanks. All right, we've been talking to William Ramsey. If you check out the show notes and if you check out our website, tyiworldwide.com, we will have all of his contact information. So you cheapskates who listened to this and got all this information can go and get the book and support the man so he can do even more research. He's worked very hard and put lots of hours into uh, his research and what he's come up with. So if you can, go out and buy the books or at least drop him a line and tell him, that you enjoyed what you heard. All right, we're going to be back in a minute. It's been an exciting right. show tonight, hasn't it? It sure has been very, very informative and eye-opening. And I hope that people um, know that, you know, the Bible says that we're destroyed for lack of knowledge, Grop. And right. um, we we're, we have to be armed with this. We have to be serious about this. Our kids' lives are at stake in generations after them, and um, you know, it is a serious thing. It's not something you just take lightly. Absolutely. And we're almost at the end of the show. I want to thank all of you who have listened to this live in the chat room. There are hundreds of you sitting there enjoying the show. <laughs> not really, but we really appreciate it. Be sure to check us out live. We are live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and there are links on our site. CYIWorldwide.com. And hey, if you like what we're doing, we do lots of outreach, ministry, as well as the broadcasts. Consider becoming a partner and supporting us so we can get the gospel out to more people. And you can do that at our website, CYIWorldwide.com. You know, oh, we should get some subliminal stuff throughout the show that just says, donate. 
donate. <laughs> donate. We'll let the Lord do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. We have the Holy Spirit that does that for us. We don't need occult nonsense. Amen. All right. Well, do you have any parting thoughts? Well, I might regret it, it, that question. Yeah. <laughs> it's just been a wild ride, and I think that, you know, um, our whole country is being affected by by these people that are knowledgeable about what they're doing. And um, it, it's just interesting how our country is changing right in front of our eyes. So we need to be in prayer. We need to be interceding. We need to be aware of uh, praying against these things as well as for, uh, you know, the Lord, too. So the dark side obviously knows how to come against us. We need to come against them through prayer because those, our weapons are not carnal but mighty through God with the tearing down of strongholds. And God's That's given right. us these weapons to use against the forces of darkness because in Ephesians 6.12 it says that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood but against these principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And um, that's where the battle really is waged. Absolutely. And if you're involved in any of these things, witchcraft or Wicca or Satanism or, or New Age movement or any of these kinds of things, and you realize that you're in something that's not good, that is insidious, that is eating away at your soul, you know the answer is simple. And God said that all who call upon his name will be saved. And if you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he will acknowledge that and he will save you. All he asks is that you turn from your sin, turn from your darkness, turn from your selfishness, and repent, which means to give it to God, say you're sorry, confess it, and not want to do that anymore. And if you pray to him, and you tell him these things and ask him to save your soul and to be your Lord and Savior, he will do that. And if you need help finding resources for people that can help you get out of these things, we have tons of resources. Please contact us through our website or at cyiworldwide at gmail.com, and we will get you to people in your area that can help you out. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to be oppressed. Because God is there. Jesus has set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Until next week, this is Minister Grock and Army Girl for Christ. God bless you. Good night.